What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the answer. You want to romanticize? Romanticize God. The answer equals God. God wants us to see clearly in this family the real condition of every human heart. Bible says, no question about it, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. All have sinned. That's a statement of fact. And he wants us to see in this family the work of God so that we can see what God wants to do with every person in the world. In this family, we're going to see God We're going to see the compassionate concerns of God that steps in to stop the sinfulness. Eyes on God as he does this. In this family, we're going to see God's loving correction that breaks the stubborn will of the sinner. Eyes on God as he does this. In this family, we're going to see God's caring guidance as he leads sinners to repentance. Again, eyes on God. In this family, we're going to see merciful forgiveness, and that pardons, like we've been singing here, that pardons sin, that redeems the sinner, eyes on God as he does this. In this family, we're going to see God's great is his faithfulness, and we're going to see that, that keeps this, the redeemed, this family, and the redeemed safe all the way to heaven. Eyes on God. Eyes on God shows us the focus of the gospel. The next truth, the focus, the fourth truth, is the focus of the gospel, who is God. God is the focus of the gospel. Now, this chapter is Joseph's debut onto the world of God's stage of history here. And we see in this debut, right off the bat, unquestionably, he's hated. He comes onto the stage, he's hated. He's hated. The first, first scene we see of him here is he's hated. The brothers, Joseph's brothers, hated him. Joseph is God's savior to this family. Can you imagine that? Joseph is God's only savior for this family, family and the family hates him. Joseph is at the same time the favorite of his father, and he's the hated of his brother. 
Boy, that sounds like the Lord Jesus, doesn't it? The favorite of his father, and he's the hated, he, he's the hated of the brothers. Now, that picture of the brothers hating the person who's giving them the message of salvation from starvation in this case is a picture of how, 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 how we can be hated for bringing the gospel to the lost. And this shows the fifth truth of the gospel. It's the hatred reaction of the gospel, the hatred reaction of the gospel. Now, we read in verse 5 that Joseph dreamed a dream. <clears throat> he was quite a dreamer. He, he starts a career of dreams. He's dreaming. He has one dream. He has another dream. Then he goes and interprets this dream. Yeah, he's really into dreams. Okay. So <clears throat> what Joseph reported to his brothers was revealed to him personally. He didn't hear it. You know, someone didn't tell him he saw it in his dream. He had experienced the message in a dream before he told them. And when we bring the gospel, it is after we have experienced the gospel by ourselves having received the Lord Jesus. We, have, we are bringing the gospel of what we have experienced. He was telling to them the dream that he had experienced. And so in 1 Corinthians 15.3, Paul says this, for, for 1 Corinthians 15.3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. He says that. He says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So this picture of Joseph having experienced the dream personally before he reports it brings out to us how the gospel has first been revealed to us before we bring the gospel. And that shows the sixth truth here, the revelation of the gospel the revelation of the gospel, or if you want, the personal revelation of the gospel. Now, now we read here in verse 5, Joseph dreamed a dream and told it his brethren. He told it to his brethren, and he told it his brethren. When it says that, he told it his brethren, what's important about this is how he did it, how he told his brethren. You know, Joseph, Joseph didn't, didn't come to his brethren and say, well... What do you know, boys? Looks like the table's going to turn around here. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and I'm going to have you under my thumb. See? And because you boys are all going to be bowing down to me. Honey, what do you think about that, huh? See? He didn't do that. He did not go to his brothers in pride. In fact, it was how he told his brothers that shows the real beauty of Joseph. Joseph told his brothers this dream in a charming, sweet simplicity. Paul said, I've espoused you to Christ and I don't want you to be beguiled like the serpent beguiled Eve from the, from the simplicity that is in Christ. There's a sweet simplicity in Joseph. Joseph didn't have any pretense. Joseph did. He wasn't trying to hide some ulterior motives and wants to rule over his brothers. What we see here is just a beautiful childlike spirit with Joseph, seeing Joseph innocently reporting his dream shows us the same innocence that we are to present the gospel with. The, and this is the, the seventh truth. This is the innocence of the gospel, the innocence of the gospel, how he presents it. Now, now we see more about how Joseph presents his dream. And he says in verse six, here, I pray you this dream. You know, when Joseph said to his brothers, here, I pray you, this dream. I mean, what do you think you thought about the dream? 
I mean, it shows that, you know, Joseph, he, he's thinking, you know, this dream is really important. He, he's thinking, this dream involves my brothers. You know, this dream is vital for my brothers to know. See, he's thinking these things. And we can just picture, you know, Joseph just running to the brothers. And he's out of breath, and he's saying, I got something really important to tell you. I, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. You know, it reminds me sometimes when, when, when I go down to, to our Christian school down at Takati, and, and one time a four-year-old boy, he came running up to me, and he's out of breath, you know, and he starts telling me something that he thinks is really important for me to hear, and his, his mind is racing faster than his mouth can get the words out. You ever seen kids when they do that? You know, they can hardly t- take time to breathe. They're going to pass out trying to get the words out. So you, and, and I'm listening and listening, and, and, and I'm, I'm being as intent as I can to listen, and I can't understand a word he's saying because he's speaking in Spanish. <laughs> and I don't speak Spanish. You know. but, but the way he's telling me, it's like the most vital information. It's so probably, it's probably something like, you know, you know we're going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch, you know, <laughs> today. And, and you, you can't stop the little kid. You could not stop the little kid from telling me passionately his message. And that's what children do. They think that something is really important for you to know, and they tell you with such a passion, with such excitement. That's a picture that we see here of Joseph as he's just like all out of breath. And he, and he says in verse 6, he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I've dreamed. And when I see this, you know what he's saying that? Here, I pray you, this dream which I've dreamed. It's a wonderful picture of how we are to tell the gospel to the law, just the same way that Joseph reported his dream, with a heart that's moved, a heart that's moved. We see more of Joseph telling his dream in verse 7, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. Lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. Behold, your, your sheep stood round about made obey and son. So all these words, lo, behold, behold, he nay, all that. He's telling his dreams. It shows us just how surprised Joseph was about this dream. Joseph is so excited that he keeps saying, behold, lo, behold. It's like Joseph is saying, what a surprise. You know what? We were binding sheaves in the field, right in the middle of the field. And to my greater surprise, my sheaf arose. And even and, and, and even greater surprise, your sheaf stood up and, and they bowed to my sheaf. I mean, Joseph is telling his dream in verse 7 in just sort of a freestyle, you know, no editing. You know, he's just telling it as he saw it in his mind. It's just like a little kid speaking out of breath with such excitement. I mean, he sets the scene by saying, we were binding. Th-. You, know, you know, you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof and Tevye tells his dream to Golda? You know, and she, he, you know, he, started, he says, tell me your dream, and I'll, you know, I'll tell you what it meant. And then she, he says, okay, Bully, don't be frightened. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like the scene here. And he said, especially when he said, lo, my sheep arose. He might as well have said, don't be frightened. You know, I could not believe my eyes. You know, we had our grain. We were tying our grain together up to sheaves. Wow, my sheaf just, just, just stood up by itself. I mean, it was spooky. You know, he could have said that. And to see Joseph explain his dream is to see Joseph just like a child. He's childlike. He's childlike. And the Lord Jesus says, you've got to become like that. He said in Matthew 18, 3, 18, 3, he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. God loves that. And the Lord said that we need to be converted. 
and become like a child. That means we need to be converted from what? From being an adult. What kind of adult? Well, with the academic stuffiness and the discussion orientation and let's debate and let's be proud. And No, no. He says, you know, he, he says, you got to go backwards to when you're a child with the excitement of a child. When Billy Graham was in New York for his Madison Square Garden Crusade in 1965, he met with Stephen Olford, a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church at that time, New York. And Stephen Olford and Billy Graham were standing on the roof of the New York Hotel at that time, just looking over the city. And, and, and neither was speaking, they were just kind of looking it over. And Stephen Olford looked over to Billy Graham and saw these great tears running down his cheeks. Great tears as he looked over the city. That's what made Billy Graham's preaching so effective. It was his passion, it was his passion for souls. And just like Joseph, Billy Graham saw clearly heaven's within reach of these people. Hell is unnecessary. And just like Joseph, Billy Graham knew that it involved every person. His, the message of the gospel involves every person. And just like Joseph, Billy Graham knew he had to tell. He had to tell. And that's, that's, what, that's why we should tell the gospel to the lost in the same way that Joseph told his dream to his brothers. Like Joseph, we know the gospel message involves every person. Like Joseph, we know we have to tell the gospel to every person. Like Joseph, we have to just report what the Bible says. That's the eighth truth. The passion of the gospel. The passion of the gospel. Now, when Joseph told his dream, he didn't interpret it. He didn't say, well, you know what this means? This means that I'm going to be your ruler, and, and you're going to have to submit to me. He never said that. You know, Joseph just let them come to their own conclusions personally about the dream. And when Joseph tells them his dream, he doesn't give any commentary on it or interpretation of what it means. He just reports plainly what he saw in his dream. That's a beautiful simplicity of Joseph's heart. And in the same way, we don't interpret the gospel by saying, well, you know, this means I'm going to heaven unless you can receive the Lord, you're going to hell. No, then we don't do that. Just like Joseph, we just tell the gospel, let the lost come to their own conclusions about themselves personally. That shows the ninth truth of the gospel, the clarity of the gospel, the clarity of the gospel. It speaks for itself, the clarity of the gospel. Now, notice at the end of verse 8, it says, they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. They hated him because of the dreams, and they hated him because of the fact that Joseph told them his dreams. And if people are going to hate us, then let it be because of the word of God. We've just reported what the Bible says. And Joseph is so engaged with just telling his dream. He just seems to be totally unaware that his brothers are to a level where they want to like to kill him. He just seems to be totally unaware of this. He seems to be to, to, to not even know that his brothers, that his dreams made his brothers hate him. I mean, if you said to him, Joseph, do you know that your dream is making your brothers hate you? We can just imagine that Joseph's gonna be, hate me? Why should they hate me? Why should they? I'm just telling them the dream that I saw. I mean, what I saw in my dream, it's really important for them to know. I'm telling them, I, why should they hate me? They should thank me. I don't know why they'd hate me for telling them that I'm gonna clearly, that what I clearly saw in my dream. And that's what's so beautiful about Joseph. I mean, Joseph is, again, sweet spirit of humility and, and simplicity. But Joseph's blindness, Joseph just seems to be blind and deaf to the hatred that his dream is causing. 
I mean, all Joseph knew was that he had to tell his dream, but he's just so engaged. He's so wrapped up in telling his dream to his brothers that he's just kind of blind and he's deaf to the hatred. And that's one of the reasons why we love Joseph so much, because that's one of the reasons why we love the Lord Jesus Christ so much, because from being so passionate about telling the message that he was oblivious to the hatred against himself his message was causing. All Joseph knew was that his brothers, they need to hear, and, 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 he, and he's just found out, and he's telling them. In fact, Joseph, like I said, he'd be surprised. I don't know why he was surprised, I mean, when he told them that they were going to bow down to him. I don't know why that should make him hate him. It seems like a harmless message, you know. I don't know why we should be surprised and tell the lost they're on the road to hell. I don't know why, you know. Anyway, it's a harmless message. But reporting an important message without thinking about himself, without thinking about the consequences to himself, is, a, is, is humility. Again, that's humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking less about yourself. And Joseph is not thinking about himself when he told his dreams. And we're humble. We're humble when we bring the gospel and don't think about what's going to happen to ourselves. This shows, this shows the 10th the, the truth it's the blindness and the deafness of the gospel. The blindness and the deafness of the gospel. Okay. Now, the simple, truthful way in which Joseph reports his dreams, it shows us who Joseph really was. I mean, Joseph was not suspicious. You know, he was trusting. He wasn't hateful. He was loving. You know, he didn't want to retaliate. He wanted to reconcile. And Joseph is a wonderful picture for us. You know, this passage here, it's like you could say, oh, that's 1 Corinthians 13. I see. Yeah, love suffereth long. It was a long time that Joseph had to endure his brother's hatred. You know, love is kind. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 13, 4. Yeah, think of how kind Joseph was to his brothers to get them to stop sinning with the evil report, get their fa his father to interfere. They didn't go further. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it love envieth not. Just think of how Joseph didn't resent the low position, you know, that, of being the errand boy and, and, and wasn't jealous for his bro of his brothers who get, get, sent him on errands too. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 13, 4, love is not puffed up. Think of how Joseph wasn't, didn't push it in their faces, you know, about it. Look at my special coat, you know. You know, and love is not easily provoked. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, 13, 5, not easily provoked. Think of how not a single word of Joseph fighting back against his brothers. You know, thinketh no evil. Just look, Joseph's not scheming against them. Love rejoices, uh, not in iniquity, rejoices in the truth. He runs with the evil report, says, this is terrible what's happening. Stop. I, okay. Love beareth all things, endureth all things. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, 13, 7. He's going to suffer 13 long years. In Egypt, he's going to bear physical pain. He's going to bear mental pain. He's going to bear pain to his feet. You know, when they put him in the stocks, they didn't say to him, what size shoe do you wear? They didn't do that. He's going to suffer the sexual temptation from Potiphar's wife, the discouragement of being falsely accused, being forgotten. He's going to bear all things. But he's going to believe all things. And he's going to hope all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, 13, 7. Love believeth all things, hopes all things. Even after the brothers did that to him, he's going to believe, you know, the family is going to be reconciled, and Joseph never lost hope in his family. 
And that's a model for us. That's a model for us when we witness to the lost. We should believe, no matter what their response is, they're going to come to the Lord. The no, that's just a delayed yes. That's all. And hope for their salvation. Who else is going to hope? Hope for their salvation. And this shows the eighth truth, the eighth truth, which is, and maybe I lost track here. This is 11th. I mean to say 11th truth. 11th. Good. You're following. Great. Okay, good. I just did that. See, it's going. Never mind. All right. So 11th truth, the hope of the gospel, the hope of the gospel, the 11th truth. All right. Now, God's message here in Joseph's dream, first dream, is sheaves, sheaves, focus on the first dream, sheaves. It's all about sheaves. Joseph is sheaves. The brothers are sheaves. What's a sheaf? A sheaf is a bunch of stalks of grain that have first been cut down and bound up, and so both, and both Joseph and his brothers are seen as sheaves. So before the stalks of grain are put into a sheaf, they have to first be cut down, and then they're tied together. That's a very important for us, because before Joseph and his brothers, uh, this happens, the exaltation of Joseph and so forth, they first have to be cut down and bound up, and that's exactly what's going to happen to Joseph. He will be cut down. He'll be thrown into a pit. He'll be sold as a slave to the Midianites heading to Egypt. He's going to sit there and say to himself, wait a second, yesterday I was the, the favored son of my wealthy father. Today I'm a slave to Arabs. I don't get it. That's being cut down. And then Joseph is going to be falsely accused of attempted rape, and he's going to be bound in prison, and they're going to put him in, in the stocks, and no one's going to ask him what size shoes he wears. So in order for Joseph to be the sheaf in Joseph's dream, Joseph must first be cut down and then bound. That's exactly what's going to happen also to the brothers. They're going to be cut down by being falsely accused of stealing a golden cup, of stealing the money that they paid, for the grain, and then Joseph's brothers are going to be bound in prison for the crimes. So in order for Joseph's brothers to be sheaves, as seen in the dream, they got to be cut down, which they will be. Before a lost person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got to be cut down from his pride and see himself as bound by sin. This shows the 12th truth, the 12th truth of the gospel, the humiliation of the gospel, the humiliation of the gospel. That's the cutting down part, the humiliation of the gospel. Now, we've seen that, 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 that this, what this dreams, these dreams meant to Joseph's brothers. It made him, they enraged him, made him hate Joseph. But these dreams were very valuable for Joseph, very valuable. God knew that, that Joseph was about to go through the greatest troubles in his life, so God prepared him by encouraging him with these dreams. His dreams are really, they're very encouraging for, for Joseph. And you know what's not present in the dreams? There's nothing in the dreams about the imprisonment and the casting of the pit. God says, oh, you don't need that for encouragement. He says, uh, so he's very encouraging. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is our example in this. In Hebrews 12.2, Hebrews 12.2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, what that says is that the Lord Jesus had great encouragement in front of him, it was, and he was focused on that encouragement. There's so much joy in heaven over one sinner that repents and is saved, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ has his joy in front of him when he's on the cross. And, and, and he says that in Hebrews 
2.10, Hebrews 2.10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory, in bringing many sons to glory. That is a great encouragement that's joyful for him. And he saw that encouragement. He saw that joy in bringing many sons to glory. And then that means he was focused on that. And, and, and that's what gave him encouragement. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.